Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar. We review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week is a special episode. This movie was chosen by a Twitter poll, so thank you everyone who voted for that. You have chosen Universal Soldier, directed by Roland Emmerich, written by six people. So if that has told us anything... (laughs) gonna be bad. The story will be a mess. (laughs) The story will suffer. Uh, Written by Richard Rothstein, Christopher Leitch, Dean Devlin, Mike Gray, Andrew Davis, and Leslie Boehm. I would like to point out two things. I am listening. Dean Devlin. He's written some of the movies Directed Geostorm, which we watched last week. (laughs) Also, Roland Emmerich, who directed this film, went on to direct lots of other disaster sci-fi kind of movies. Oh, that's right. Didn't he do like 2012 and Day After Day Tomorrow? Day After Tomorrow and I believe... Uh, Geostorm? No, that was Dean Devlin I just said. I thought he wrote it. I thought Roland so Emmerich Dean Devlin directed, directed Geostorm. Okay. Roland anyway. Emmerich directed, most famously, Independence Day. Ah, yeah. All stuff we mentioned last week in our episode about Geostorm, so we won't really go much more into that, but let's suffice it to say, both of these men are, like, very much on our radar on this podcast because they both have directed lots of mediocre to bad kind of big-time action-adventure disaster whatever movies. So. We're in for a treat. Yes. Uh, This was released in theaters July 10th, 1992, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Now, this has a... 25% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35% on Metacritic. And since this is available on Amazon Prime, here's what the Amazon Prime synopsis is. Luke Devereaux and Sergeant Andrew Scott are two soldiers who kill each other in Vietnam and are brought back to life 25 years later for a secret government program. Okay, so first of all, kind of makes it sound RoboCop-ish. It does, yeah. Which, of course, this came out a few years after that, so not, I mean, they're, they're probably banking on, hey, this is a solid, you know, um, profitable idea for a film. Yeah, like cyborg, instead of a cyborg cop, it's a cyborg soldiers. Some reviews from some choice critics. Richard Harrington of the Washington Post said, Perhaps Van Damme and Lundgren trade blows more easily than lines. But the whole affair is enjoyable in a mindless way. So, a rarely positive review as far as uh, the movies we watch. That's... It's promising. Promising. Yeah. Jeff Andrew of Time Out said, Mostly this is an amalgam of ideas, images, and whole scenes lifted from other movies. Which I just mentioned, the synopsis makes it sound like Robocop, so (laughs) I can totally see that being on our forecast here. Richard Dyer of the Boston Globe. German director Roland Emmerich's action sequences are terrific and funny. Okay, hold on. We have two (laughs) out of three positive reviews. That's like a first. Like, are you fishing here for like, let's let's try to make this movie seem good. (laughs) To be fair, it was hard to find reviews from 1992. This is 1992. A lot of movies we do are from this century, and this one is <laughs> not. So, obviously, the internet was in its 
you know, newborn phase kind of at that point. And so it's not like there's tons of archived websites with old reviews, right? So it is harder to find, you know, older reviews. Because I didn't want to pick a review that was from like a couple years ago because then, you know, they have the benefit of... Of seeing how the movie has aged. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, before we go into this, I would like to point out, I've never seen this film. Me neither. I've heard of it barely. It was, this. we were kids. Like, we were, I mean, it's R-rated, and we definitely were probably not watching movies like this when we were, like, seven years old. <laughs> you were more than yeah. me. Okay. Because unlike you, my sibling, who was ten years older than me, liked to torture me yeah. with terrible things. <laughs> okay, so... Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, I really haven't seen many of his films. I think, like, around this time, he was kind of one of the bigger action stars. Yeah, he was. It was like him, Arnold, Sylvester Stallone, and maybe, like, Bruce Willis were kind of the 80s and early 90s action stars. Yeah. But I honestly have, like, I've seen The Quest, which is a really bad movie, and we'll probably watch it on this podcast at some point. Here's the other thing, before we watch this. They made six of these. Did you know that? Uh, no, I did not. (laughs) This is the first of six. Now, granted, this is like the Mummy slash Scorpion King kind of thing, where they basically made one and then like a sequel and then started making direct to video sequels starring someone else the sequel has michael j white michael j white badass michael whatever white (laughs) (laughs) michael j period white because we don't know how to yeah like jay courtney jay courtney nobody knows michael j i think it is jay white michael j white are you excited to watch this movie um I, well, so it can go one of two ways. Either the people chose this on, I gave like four options. This was one of them. Either the people chose this because they want to torture us, or the people chose this because they like it and want to know what we think of it. I'm hoping it's the latter and not the former. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and watch it and see what happens. Okay, so let's talk about... Universal Soldier. First of all, uh, our first category, how was the acting, considering our primary actors are Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren? So neither of them are American. Neither of them are American. Neither of them are particularly well-known for being great actors. True. An interesting thing is we both appreciated the fact that they actually explained plausibly why Jean-Claude Van Damme, who has a non-American accent, (laughs) is an American Vietnam War veteran. Yes. He is from Louisiana. And his mom speaks French. Yes, so basically he's Cajun, and they do in fact have kind of a French accent in certain parts of that region. And honestly, I didn't think Dolph Lundgren's Accent, accent was, was that bad. No, it was fine. It was totally fine. So, as far as acting goes, I actually, before watching this movie, I thought to myself, setting aside any movies relating to Rocky Balboa, has Dolph Lundgren really been, like, in any good movies? He's the new hotness right now. Well, 
Weirdly enough, that's true. He was in Aquaman <laughs> this past year. He was in Creed 2, again, play, reprising his role from Rocky IV. Yeah. And I was thinking, besides that, he was in the Expendables movies, or first one? I don't I don't whatever. remember. Um, he was actually, like, the best he, <laughs> character slash actor in this film, I thought. He did really good crazy. Like, so, from... His obsession with ear necklaces made out of human ears yes. to, like, his absolute just, like, he pulled off completely, like, off-the-walls insane killer man very well. So, to explain quite briefly, basically, Dolph Lundgren's character, Sergeant Scott, is, like, Full-on Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now, Colonel Kurtz, crazy in Viet in the Vietnam War. Have you seen Apocalypse Now? No. But so, you know what I'm talking about. In though, the beginning, right? in the first five minutes of the movie, he slaughters an entire village of people and cuts off their ears and makes a necklace out of them. And is crazy. And has gone and insane. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme is like, what are you doing? You're crazy. And then they kill each other. Yes. And then they basically, along with several other dead soldiers have somehow been revived 20-something years later and are now, like, mindless, programmable super soldiers, special forces, whatever. Um, and then they get, some of them get their memories back and it causes problems. So, Dolph Lundgren, yeah, like, actually did a good job, I think. Jean-Claude Van Damme was not horrible. He was just kind of like you said, he's not really known for being a great actor. He just kind of, he did his thing. It's fine. I didn't have any yeah. problem with it. And and any sort of stiffness or, um, like, lack of emotion or anything that his character does is still in line with his character because he kind of is, like, a mindless, robotic sort of right. guy. And it's not that weird that he's doesn't have a lot of dimension. Right. Right, I mean, like, this movie basically is RoboCop crossed with Apocalypse Now, or at least with the Apocalypse Now premise leading into a RoboCop-type story. Yeah. And... So speaking of the story, I mean, it's really not that hard to follow. It's completely implausible, but that's, you know, that goes with any what? suspension of disbelief You mean for they movie. can't turn human tissue and human brains into computers that need to be massively cooled because they're, like, overclocked? That's basically... They're like, yes. we overclocked their <laughs> brains and it brought them back to life. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the science behind it doesn't make sense, but I feel like the movie does a good job of actually, like, explaining everything. What I thought was interesting, and I don't know if I like it or don't like it, I appreciate the fact that it's different, was typically a movie like this, the first, like, 20 minutes would be them explaining the process and, like, doing the surgeries, doing the scientific procedures that would turn them into this. Yeah. Instead, what we get is kind of a Wolverine-esque... Like, they don't remember, and they're not going to show the audience, but the audience is going to vaguely figure out that some stuff happened through, like, flashbacks and exposition. Yeah. And, like I say, I appreciate the fact that a typical movie would have just spent the first act being like, okay, let's bring them in, and they'd be like, 
you know, we'd, we'd watch them as they get worked on and then trained and whatever. And then halfway through the movie, they'd be like, all right, let's bring these boys out for a, you know, a field test. Yeah, there was no lame training montage. Instead... Right into the action. Instead, right in, they're, like, doing the field test. And they're going, this is our third one. It's successful. Like, we rescued the hostages from this terrorist situation. Everything's great. Of course, then everything goes horribly wrong. Does. Does go wrong. So, with the things that go wrong, I mean, I feel like this movie was pretty engaging. I mean, at the end of the day, it's another chase movie. (laughs) It kind of is, yeah. In the line of Bird on a Wire or Terminator Salvation or uh, any number of other uh, chain, chain reaction. reaction chase movies we've watched. But they do a good job of not like interspersing enough action that it's still interesting. I honestly felt there were two parts that really kind of dragged on for me. One was the beginning chase part where Dolph Lundgren hasn't yet really woken up and, like, reclaimed his former personality, where he was... They were basically just being chased by all of the Universal Soldier robots, robot men, um, because they were like, Jean-Claude Van Damme has gone off the reservation, we gotta go get him back, boys, go get him back, and then they're kind of just chasing him for a while, and I was like, okay, this is getting a little, it, it did remind me of Bird on a Wire, it was just constantly like, alright, they're just running away, and there's some action, and then they run away, and then there's some action, and they run away, like, I was like, I get it, like, it was a little <laughs> drawn out. Then at the end, the showdown in the rain between the two <laughs> main stars, with just Dolph Lundgren, like, philosophizing and, like, taunting Jean-Claude. That dragged on a little bit for me. And I was like, okay, we get it. kicking like... Jean-Claude Van Damme's <laughs> butt. Like, I, I turned to you and I was like, it's kind of refreshing to see a movie where he actually gets his butt kicked. Because that's not common. As far as the, you, you appreciate there was no training montage and whatever. At the same time, I would have appreciated a little bit more explanation of the backstory or something because like I said, I kind of like that they didn't really give us much information, but I kind of didn't because usually you want some information to explain like how this all makes sense and is happening. Like why does Jean-Claude Van Damme keep using kickboxing? I mean, I know why he it's because he's Jean-Claude Van Damme and he's a kickboxer. And they were like, oh, that'd be awesome. But in the context of the story, why would his character use kickboxing moves constantly where none of the other soldiers do? You know, well, wh- we don't see as much of the other soldiers in combat without a gun. Well, Dolph Lundgren doesn't do any kickboxing. He's just a big burly, you know, I'm going to punch you because I'm a huge dude. Well, that's the difference. Jean-Claude Van Damme is smaller and needs needs more skills. But that's my point, is then <laughs> that's why you have something earlier on to kind of explain that. That didn't bother me, though. Well, that's I'm not like, oh, why is that guy just punching? It just, why is it's Jean-Claude just, Van Damme it's, kicking? Okay, it's a little bit... I th- When I think super soldier, I think someone trained in every possible form of combat. I just naturally assume that. I don't need to see, like, a training montage of it to but infer that. Here's the thing. The Matrix 
did it without the training montage. You know, he's just like, oh, hey, I know all these things. Even if they just tell us, like, I would have accepted they're going through, you know, and the, the, the colonel or whatever, the guy in charge of the program, you know, is talking to somebody and he's going to, you know, and he's like, well, how, how far along are they or whatever? Well, you know, number 44 has mastered such and such and this and we're like oh great you know they're coming along nicely that's all they need to say they don't need to sit there and have five minutes of them you know training and sparring with each other or anything i just want the information in a not beat you over the head way okay so you feel that this movie lacks a little bit in the exposition exposition yes. what does this movie do well this movie they shoot a lot of people in the head but I don't know if that's this necessarily movie is a, okay. good or bad. This movie is a solid action film. If you just like action, explosions, fighting, so many guns. people die in this movie too. Yeah. Like, like you see people get burned alive, and shot in the head, and in the eye, and in the head, and. <laughs> And in the eye. Ear necklaces. <laughs> ear necklace, lots of ear necklaces. <laughs> There's more than lots one ear necklace. Lots of ears end up on ne necklaces. Um, at least they don't show him, like, acquiring Cutting, like, the ears. Like reservoir dogs, like, yeah. sawing the ear off. Yeah, yeah, no sawing of the ears. Um, I feel like the, the movie had, like, a lot of one-liners that weren't necessarily funny, but... Like, you can see that they were trying to be funny. Okay, so, speaking of the necklaces of ears, there's a spot where Dolph Lundgren, somebody's like, uh, Sergeant, and he's like, I'm all ears. And I was like, okay, that's, like, that is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Because it's so obvious, but you appreciate it. That you're like, oh my, I can't believe they actually dared to go with the obvious and thing. Then, and then the second <laughs> time, and also, too, when the, the he does away with the colonel, and he comes back in to the soldiers who were trying to reach him, and he's like, he can't hear you, and he, like, jiggles the ear, the new ear necklace, and it's like... It was almost like evil villainous dad jokes where yeah. you just kind of like, if you're in the right frame of mind, you're like, oh man. Really? I didn't, I didn't oh. hate it though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then. So there was this lighthearted <laughs> moments, right? Okay. Lighthearted fun with disembodied ears. This, it definitely, there were moments that were a little more lighthearted here where you're kind of like, oh man. Like when he's like, uh, there's gotta be a tracker on me somewhere. Um, I'm gonna strip down naked. I need you to feel all over my, you know, muscly, lean my body. Hard body. Yeah. And then he looks down <laughs> and he's like, "Is that supposed to be there?" And she's like flummoxed by the size of his junk. <laughs> so, weirdly enough, even though this is not supposed to be a comedy at all, there were like more comedic moments than in some of the other movies that we watched that's, that's, that were that were trying to be, to be comedies. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, this is a pretty well-rounded movie, considering the fact that it's really supposed to just be an action movie. I guess my, one of the things I find weird, and it's not really a criticism, but what I find weird about this movie is for a movie called Universal Soldier, like, I expected more 
time of showing of them being soldiers? I guess does that make sense? Well, I guess since this well since this was only their third test, like you wanted to see the other two. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying like because they kind of jumped forward where a normal movie would show the time of them becoming these soldiers, and they just jumped to that. And then they're like, nope, okay, Jean-Claude Van Damme's got to, like, remember his past life and wake up and try to, you know, rescue the girl. It was, I guess, the title was weird for me, is what it comes down to. Well, the program was called Universal Soldiers. Which, first of all, (laughs) what the, what is a universal soldier? Like, a soldier who protects the universe? Like, a soldier who is all around, an all-around you know, in the universal sense, a soldier? Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, would you want it to have been called, like, super special forces or something? I don't know, but, like, it's basically... Ultimate soldier. Yeah, if it was... That's basically what... The ultimate soldier. I'm like, what makes... What what does that even mean? It's just kind of meaningless. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I almost wonder if the title of this movie is bad, and that's part of the problem... You know, like, you don't know what it's about. You think it's... I mean, you kind of have an idea, but... Like, honestly, going into this movie, did you think it was going to be this chase, like, North by Northwest style, we have to figure out who I am, kind of, whatever? Definitely not. Like, the fugitive (laughs) combined with RoboCop? I mean, it's... The RoboCop combined with a lot of other movies, basically. But... No, I, I was definitely not expecting this from the description... Yeah, you would think it would be some sort of more, like, war kind of yeah, like, thing. Like, they'd be put dr- into another war Yeah, they situation. wouldn't be like, oh, let's test him out. I mean, yes, let's test him out killing terrorists, but you'd think it would be like, alright, let's pack him off to, you know, this is in 1992, so let's send him off to Desert Storm, or I guess that was over by then, but, you know, Kosovo, like, all the, the troublesome hot spots, you know, where there's been skirmishes over the last 30 years all right let's send him off to that and then they go there and then something happens and then he's like oh i don't know like i didn't think it was going to turn into race across the southwestern united states you know as as he tries to keep her safe so i don't know just the title is weird you know it's you don't get a real sense of what the movie's supposed to be and it's really not that bad of a movie no it's not like I, yeah, so that's a great part to just kind of go with our final, final thoughts on it was I enjoyed watching this movie like a lot. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't like love it, but I was definitely surprised by how much I liked it. So we were talking uh, after we stopped recording before, again, going back, so this was written by Dean Devlin and directed by Roland Emmerich. Right. And... After a little more research, those two guys together produced, wrote, directed, whatever, Independence Day, Stargate, which, can I just for a moment, like, point out how significant that is? Like, on this level up here, you have, like, Gene Roddenberry creating Star Trek and that turning into this whole huge, you know, franchise like, I feel like it's only one step below to have created Stargate, where you have a movie and multiple TV shows That's that are true. incredibly popular shows. with nerds. <laughs> so, like... We mean nerds in a good way. Like Yeah, no, like, I mean, like, people who attend, like, conventions and stuff. So, 
the fact that they did this, and this was essentially their first try at a, like not like together, like separately they'd been they'd done different things, but their first attempt teaming up was this. Not actually that bad for a first effort, and then they went on to do Stargate, uh, Independence Day, and The Patriot, a couple other movies that actually like were you know pretty successful. I'm not gonna say necessarily great or good, but they were successful. They made money. I'm this movie. I'm almost surprised this movie hasn't been remade yet. Yeah. Because they remade RoboCop. They remade um, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, they remade, what's the one, the, Ar- the Arnold movie with Mars? Oh, uh, Total Recall. They remade Total Recall. Like, this is kind of in that same sphere of late 80s, early 90s, action, sci-fi-ish, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I feel like with modern technology and special effects, you can make a super futuristic version of this movie. You know, you wouldn't have the the weird like one eye goggle camera thing, like that you know. Doesn't even have like a red. <laughs> it doesn't have a light on it. It's not like wired into their heads. It's, it's literally, literally a just headset. a headset with like an eye thing. It's literally the thing that when we were kids in the '90s, people could like play video games on, like whatever the, the Game Gear or something. I don't, I don't know. know. You know what I'm talking about, though. I do. Yes, I, I mean, I can definitely see this movie being remade into something more modern, more futuristic, more... Yeah, where they have some sort of, like, you know, synthetic contact lens robot interface thing that yeah. plugs into their brain. And interesting tidbit, so that soldier at the very beginning who was like, nothing happened here. That's Michael J. White. Oh, okay. Yeah, Michael <laughs> J. White. <laughs> a fun little tidbit there any final thoughts on our twitter pick which i'm now suspecting they chose because they like it and not because they because a bunch of people were like oh i loved that movie when i was a kid you should watch it it's awesome yeah no this is really if you like okay i do have a final thought i probably have five final thoughts whatever having watched this having watched burn on a wire having watched chain reaction what else have we watched from like that like, 25 years ago. I don't remember. Whatever. Not much. Having watched several of these movies from that era, I think movies are just better now. Uh, that's a fair assessment. Sure. I was actually having this conversation really briefly with some people at work, and I was like, you know, I think they just make more movies now. Like, I wonder where the midpoint is in movies. You know, if you were to go, okay, they've been making movies for 120 years, 120. 25 years. Where's the median of all movies ever made in America by Hollywood? It's not going to be like 60 years ago if we go back 120 years. It's going to be like 30 years ago. So I think the fact that they're making more movies, I think they've gotten better at it. And that's even like really bad movies now, first of all, generally get kind of filtered. Depending on how it's released, you kind of know how good it's going to be. Like, if it comes out in theaters, even bad movies that come out in theaters, most of the time are still better than the movies that are, like, direct-to-streaming slash direct-to-video. Yeah. And then even... You know, yeah. And then movies that have, like, kind of a limited release and are only, you know, released in certain theaters or certain festivals, you know are, like, going to win Oscars. Like, right. they're not going to get a wide release, but they're going to be, you know, 
cinematically important movies. That's a random thought. But basically, this movie is not what you'd expect. No. Um, it is a decent action movie. But, and the same thing, okay, Predator. Predator's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Having rewatched Predator, what, six months ago we, we watched it? Right? Did we? We did. It was on HBO. I don't remember. We watched it. The first Predator. And I was like, why do people like this movie? It's not that good by today's standards. But it has that nostalgia and it has that kind of you view it through the lens of when it came out. Same thing with Lethal Weapon. I honestly don't think Lethal Weapon really holds up as a mo- you know to modern a lot of modern action films. Like if you just took it carbon copy and released it today, I think people would be like, "Yeah, this is mediocre." Well, this is a whatever action so movie. So, it's a TV show now that I know. people do like, but I think they tweaked it a little bit. Well, I think it's more of a comedy, right? Yeah, comedy I, action com- show. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's got Stifler. I mean, how serious can it be? Well, now it has Stifler. Well, it started with a different guy. Yeah, but it has Stifler now, so... Yes. What was his name? Sean William Sean Scott. Sean William Scott, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he will um, always be Stifler. Yes, he will. So, in the context of, like, early 90s action movies, I honestly do think this is okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't think that it's good compared to movies from the last like 10 years necessarily i think i do think movies have come a long way i I think people are better at part of it might be audiences are more selective nowadays and hollywood the free market is making you know hollywood is realizing they can't just keep getting away with releasing schlock and expecting it to do well you know what i mean i think i hope they do sometimes. Even a movie that was horrible like The Snowman, that was like, okay, we you know, we had issues with production that went bad, and sorry, this is the best we could do. Let's just cobble together something so we can release it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that movie hopefully would have been good if they had like not filmed 20% of the movie. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think audiences are like, oh... That movie's bad. I'm not going to see it. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, and that's part of the problem that we have with our current system is that, you know, critic reviews will come out early. And if a movie holds back and doesn't do critic screenings, that's even worse because then you They're know like, it's a bad movie. Hiding? Like, what are you hiding? Exactly. Yeah. So, but audiences will look at something like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic and they'll look at it and see, oh, that has a low score. I don't want to waste my money and go see that. Yeah, I mean, movies are just getting expensive, too. Yeah, I mean, to go to the movies, you're just just in tickets alone. In some cities, you're looking at $30 for two people to go to a movie. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah. So... So you gotta be picky. I guess the... Ultimately, (laughs) we're kind of optimistic that movies are getting better. I I mean... They have to get better. Like, it's like evolve or die. Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, if you don't put out a decent product, nobody's going to go see it. And I mean, even if you look at, you know, the current run of superhero movies that consistently break box office records, yeah. I mean, obviously studios are doing something right. Well, yeah, and we've lamented before that that kind of means what's sad is that the 
mid-budget movies just don't get made anymore, or they get made and they're just like Netflix originals and things, which is fine, but unfortunately a lot of Netflix originals or, you know, streaming originals are crap. <laughs> well... But they're also not asking you to go see it for $30, you Yeah, know, and I mean, there, the are, there are some, like, recent streaming movies that are good. Like, I oh, mean, no, sure, I've mentioned I To All the Boys I Loved Before, um, Dumplin' I recently watched and is pretty good, and granted, those are kind of, like, young teen chick, chick flick chick, kind of yeah. movies, but those are the types of movies that really don't get big, huge theater releases anymore. Mm-hmm but thrive in a media like Netflix or Amazon or you know whatever streaming service produces them. Well, the other thing I was going to say is that I think that might be why people are so... When a movie does come out in theaters with, like, big stars, and it's so bad, I think people are more upset now. Yeah. Like, like Holmes and Watson, people were pissed about that movie. People were walking out. People were mad. They hated it. I'm sure they went, I want my money back. Like, I'm not watching this. Whereas, 30 years ago, it would be like, oh, yeah, like, people probably were just, yeah, that wasn't good. You know? Yeah. But a lot of movies aren't good. But now, it's like, we expect more. And we should expect more. It's like, there's such competition. And I love the fact that Netflix and Amazon and all these, you know, HBO are really, are injecting competition and saying, you know what? We want people to watch our stuff and give us money. Not you, you know, typical Hollywood studios. And I think that's forcing those Hollywood studios to up their game. And they're like, oh, crap. Like, we, you know, need to make better movies. So it's great. Ultimately, I guess we're ending on a note of optimism that (laughs) maybe we won't be able to do this podcast forever because movies will become good. I don't know. Movies will just get Mo- movies, so good. Movies, no, movies will. There will always be some negative ones. Because, again, we're going to have... It's always going to be a curve, I think. If all movies get better, there's still going to be a bottom tier where the critics are like, yeah, this isn't that good. But it's still better than movies from 30 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, Universal Soldier. If you like action movies, if you like, you know, martial arts, kickboxing type Jean-Claude Van Damme you know, kind of movies. Watch it. It's not actually what you'd expect. Yeah. It's better than you'd expect, I think. Surprisingly. <laughs> I didn't have a, a good, ex- or I did not have high expectations going in, based on, like you said, not really any known great stars. Star power, but not necessarily great actors in this film. Yes. But it was okay. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So if you want to watch something on Amazon Prime and see... People die and things explode and... See Jean-Claude Van Damme's butt? You... There is a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme's body in this movie. <laughs> and okay. And there you go. Yes. It's not a touchscreen, kiddo. Shut up. <laughs> He's trying to touchscreen my laptop, people. Are you... Why is... Why are screens not touchscreens? Why do they make them that are not touchscreens anymore? This is 2019! <laughs> Okay, so. (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week for our episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out to us on social media to let us know what you think or let us know what you want us to review next. Next week, we will be watching a movie that I saw as a young teenage girl about 
four middle-aged men who start their own biker gang. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy. Okay. It's called <laughs> Wild like Hogs. <laughs> All right. So join us next week for Wild Hogs.